Guys, thanks for listening to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. I also want to thank the following sponsors for their support of this podcast. Without them, this podcast would not be possible. I want to thank the Go Hunt Insider, uh, Lorenzo Sartini and his crew over at Go Hunt. They have created the Insider, which is an amazing tool for you guys that are researching all these different western states and looking for which units to apply for and put in for. Uh, They also have the Go Hunt Maps, the Go Hunt Gear Shop. Uh, Right now go to GoHunt.com, click sign up for the Insider, Uh, use the J. Scott promo code, you're going to get a $50 Go Hunt Gear Shop gift card just for signing up. Go Hunt's been with me since the beginning of 2015. When I started this podcast, they've been a very loyal title sponsor of this podcast. And I want to thank them for their support. Make sure to go and sign up for the Go Hunt Insider. Use the J. Scott promo code. Guys, I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. That's K-U-I-U.com. Kuyu Ultralight Hunting is a direct-to-consumer uh, brand that sells the best ultralight hunting equipment and gear on the market today. Uh, you can go to K-U-I-U.com, Kuyu.com, and order directly there on their website. I also want to thank Phonescope.com, Cheston, the guys over at Phonescope. Go to phonescope.com. Anything you order there, use the JScott23 promo code and you're going to get a 10% discount there at Phonescope. I also want to thank Lathrop & Sons, their custom boot system and custom footbed manufacturer. Uh, these guys are the boot doctors, the boot gurus. Um, they're very, very helpful. They know a lot about boots. Uh, I have switched this season to the Lathrop & Sons Encompass boot. Uh, that's what I've worn primarily on my coos deer and mule deer hunts in Mexico. And then I use the Mountain Hunter uh, for my sheep hunts, uh, specifically desert sheep. Uh, in any of that uh, more technical terrain, uh, Lathrop & Sons has a phenomenal 3D mapping imprints and, and tracing kit. Uh, they make custom orthotics, uh, just really, really comfortable, uh, very user-friendly boots and custom insoles. Uh, go to lathropandsons.com. To find out more information, you can also check out Lathrop & Sons on Instagram. They have three custom boot options, the Mountain Hunter, the Mountain Hunter Elite, and the Mountain Hunter Encompass, as well as the High Country Synergy Footbeds Custom. Uh, They also make all of these custom footbeds in wide and super wide, as well as the boots, which is rare for a boot manufacturer. Reach out to the owners, Stephen and James at Lathrop & Sons at 618-544-8782. That's lathropandsons.com. Guys, I want to thank you for supporting this podcast. Love to hear your feedback. Uh, Any questions you might have, you can reach out at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. That's my email address. You can follow along on Instagram at jscottoutdoors. Always feel free to send me a direct message. Love hearing from you guys. And let's get right to these episodes. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. This is your guest host, Cliff Gray. Today I have Jordan Christensen from The Draw on the podcast. 
We're going to focus on the New Mexico draw because we've got some deadlines coming up for it in the next uh, few weeks to a month. But also right off the bat here, I want to touch on Wyoming because Jordan mentioned to me there's some really important things that we should discuss on that, some kind of kind of changes that are going on with that draw that, that are going to affect particularly non-residents. So Jordan, go ahead, give us a brief intro on you and your business, and we'll go from there. All right. I appreciate it, Cliff. Yeah. Um, so I'm, as you said, my name is uh, Jordan Christensen. I um, kind of the lead consultant over here at the draw and uh, our kind of world revolves around all the different applications uh, that uh, can be submitted really even across the country, not necessarily just the Western United States. Um, so we help guys apply, make sure they don't miss deadlines, make sure they're applying for areas that are conducive to what their goals are and uh, whether that's short term or long term and, and different things like that. Um, and then I guess once the tag is drawn, we're as involved as they would like us to be kind of to get ready for that hunt, be it DIY or looking for an outfitter, things of that nature. Um, so, yeah, like touching on Wyoming real quick. And, and what I would probably say, Cliff, is, is maybe even encourage you if you if you have time. Um, there's probably even uh, some guys with boots on the ground that might even be able to break this down a little bit better than than myself. But but especially because it is such a uh, a big uh, change that's happened right now, the Wyoming um, laws that got adjusted this last uh, this last summer. And what that boils down to is this, the the quotas for sheep, moose, goat and bison have moved from uh, an 80-20 split in Wyoming to a 90-10 split. And, and why that's a big deal is that there's another law in, in Wyoming that says that 75% of the tags are going to whoever has the most points and 25% are a random draw uh, where everyone has an equal chance at, at those. So if you, let's like hypothetically, if you have 20 points for sheep or moose in, in Wyoming and the max point was 21 points, then those random tags, uh, you would go in the, the hat for those and you would only get one raffle ticket essentially um, and the guy that's putting in year one, he also gets one raffle ticket. So it's an equal odds draw for those random tags. And in, in years past, there was quite a few tags that were up for grabs within that random drawing um, that happened each year um, all over. Uh, well, particularly units two, three, four, and five for the sheep. And then the, the moose were a little bit more spread out in different parts of, of, of Wyoming. As it sits right now, if everything stays the exact same as it was last year, as far as the number of tags being issued, there is a chance that there's going to only be one random tag for sheep in unit five and one random tag for moose in unit 25. So instead of there being a bunch of them and spreading the applicants out and, and kind of creating a game about it, this law change uh, in conjunction with an exi another existing law has made the probability of someone who's either just getting started and or somebody with probably, unfortunately, even 20 plus points. It, the, the idea of getting started in Wyoming and ever hitting a finish line has gone to absolute zero. The idea of being a lucky guy that drew early has gone down from a bunch of tags to one per species now. So it's not going to take very many applicants for those odds to be atrocious. 
Um, and then, and then on the flip side of that, even a guy with 20 points in each species, if you're in your fifties, even the, the idea that you could play the game long enough now, as many people are as in front of you and as few tags are being issued that you would end up in a max point situation ever, um, in your lifetime is, is gone extremely low. Um, and so at, you know, with the state fees and the processing fee and all of that, I mean, we're talking to build points, you're talking $227 roll of the dice every year, just in non-refundable state fees for the sheep and like 192 and some change for the moose. Those become pretty expensive rolls of the dice considering, you know, how the, the, there's only one tag to draw randomly. And if you don't apply for those two units, you might as well have you know, pulled the money out of your wallet and lit it on fire because yeah. there was yeah. no, no value, um, in, in it any longer. So like I said, I would like, in my opinion, so, you know, somebody uh, right in the ground in Wyoming might be able to really break that down even, even better. And it, it's a, it's a major change like that. They changing the rules 26 years into a program like this, um, ha and the way that they did, uh, is going to affect a ton of guys that have been pretty loyal to that system for a very long time. Um, even a little closer to home, my own father's got 22 points for Moose. He's 76 years old this year. Um, he's, you know, not the healthiest 76-year-old you ever saw. And the probability now from last year, he had a 33% chance of drawing a tag in the max point pool um, in unit 26, his odds will be easily less than one if we were to try and draw for that unit 25 tag. I mean, we're talking 0.01 probably. And second of all, the idea that he'll ever hit that finish line now where he was so close last year has gone. I mean, the, he's he's even even at 22 points, he's logic. He's likely to be like 12 to 15 years away from like actually getting to that finish line. So now that's gone. The The opportunity's gone. And I think there's a lot of guys in the country that are in a maybe not exact, but similar situation. And it's, it's unfortunate, but the, maybe the, uh, the most unfortunate would be guys who don't understand that the laws change and continue to send that money to the state of Wyoming. Um, yeah, that would be even more fun. unfortunate. It's funny you mentioned that, Jordan, because I think you you point out something that's that's really interesting. I was actually just here in the last couple of days. I've been putting together a, a YouTube video and just like just some some little things I noticed about the draw over the last decade and just you know mistakes people make and maybe some advice for people. And one of the ones I was gonna talk about is this exact topic, and that's that I think a lot of times, man, we just we just do the same thing every year, regardless of how things change. And that could be, you know, biological things, you know, populations and that sort of thing. But these these things can also play in, right? Like you're talking about a massive change. I I uh, I think I've got 16, 16 points for all those species in Wyoming. And yeah. I'm I'm sure when I look at the math, I just I'd be better off going to Vegas with the application fees now. It's you know? and, and yeah, and and it's uh uh, yeah, it's a hard pill to swallow, and and I think that we're kind of on the edge of a slippery slope, and we're we're kind of jumping down one of my more dangerous rabbit holes. But I, yeah, you know, yeah it's I all talk, right. Like 
draw theory, right? Like what's coming, what what is happening? And I think the unfortunate reality is that you've got kind of a perfect storm of things happening right now across most of the Western United States. And what, what that is, is that you've got a, a younger generation of folks like my age uh, or even a little older that have kind of climbed the ranks and are becoming the decision makers at, at these high state levels. Um, and because of their age, they have always been behind the curve of these point systems. They weren't old enough to get started when they when they very first started. Therefore, their hunting, to some extent, has been negatively affected by the existing systems. And then on the flip side of that, you also still have some guys that that have been in those decision making chairs, or they were, you know, they were in in the divisions and in the state departments. Um, already they got started when the point systems got started and they've played the game they've played it well their hunting has been very um, has been very beneficial because of the existing systems but now they find themselves in their late 60s or or, or you know somewhere in their 60s probably they've burned all of their points they're starting back at zero and they're not dumb guys like they, they see the writing on the wall that now their hunting is going to be negatively affected by the existing systems. And it, and I think this has been brewing and coming for a while now that it was inevitable that once that kind of we hit that turning point, there was going to start being major changes in the states and how they were doing the draw process. Because, you know, I don't, I don't say this like begrudgingly, but the good old boys, they got it. It worked. Well, yeah. you know, yeah. jump into the programs, start applying, apply relentlessly, apply for the best stuff in every state. And you're going to get to go and be the guy that goes and hunts those elite destinations. And yet, as those guys kind of conclude all of that, they're left in the same boat that that a lot of guys that we have here at the draw that are in their 40s, 50s, their their life is slowed down or whatever money's better their you know whatever their reason is now they're wanting to get involved and and they're the and and it's very daunting to even think about getting involved because of how mature these point systems are and and ho i think hopefully that's why we exist is we we have gotten really good at finding what we call wrinkles like we find ways to and some of them are real easy and other ones kind of fly under the radar but we find ways to go hunting as often as we want, still using the application systems um, instead of having to default to landowner permits and vouchers and things like that, um, and and still get to go as, as often as we would we would like um, with uh, because we we uh, we find those little wrinkles that allow for that to happen, and sometimes it's not an ideal. You know, it's not as dreamy as drawing some elite tags like the Arizona Strip or a, a Ponsagant tag in Utah or something like that. But it's still really good stuff that guys and, and that are reasonably obtainable within a reasonable amount of time. Yeah, no, I I mean, I think there's there's huge value in it, uh, Jordan. I mean, and I've never used your service. I've, I've never used an application service personally, but I've always been you know, in the weeds on it, you know, just being in the, the business for most of my adult life. But yep. I think there's a huge amount of value there because people way underestimate, you know, just, just, 
you know, if you just do the status quo, most people don't realize how bad their chances are. You know what I mean? Like, if you just It's a do- very common conversation here is when we really level set about, you know, even like this deadline that's tomorrow in Arizona. I mean, it's, I would argue, like, we find ourselves... At, at the very minimum, we're having extremely blunt conversations about, you know, what at one hundred and sixty dollars for a hunting license in Arizona annually, non-refundable. Just and we haven't even picked a species yet. In my opinion, that's pretty expensive, uh, especially if we're going in kind of eyes wide open. That outside of a few unique things like some of the coos deer hunting and 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 there is even an elk hunter too out there that probably aren't the you know what a lot of guys are looking for but there is op- opportunities as a general rule we should be looking at arizona at a minimum as like a 10-year plan right, right. and so if if you're spending that 160 dollars and just applying for you know, I call them like the outdoor life units, right? Like right. the ones that if you know, if you've ever read Field and Stream or Outdoor Life, you're going to know about them. If those are the where you're where you're investing your money, like that's a long road that probably, unfortunately, in the world we're living in, mathematically, you'll never get there. Outside of a lightning strike, you'll never, ever, mathematically, it's impossible. There's too few attacks and too many people trying that you'll end up graduating to some sort of finish line. Um, and yeah. so- if you like playing the game and you're reckless and, and immature like myself, you just mindlessly do it every year and you try because what <laughs> if, um, but in the meantime, I'm leaning on other States and this might be a great segue, like, like New Mexico, um, to be a lot more here and now, like this is, this is how we get, you know, to go. And, and I would also include Colorado and Wyoming and Montana and Kansas and South Dakota in kind of that short term goal state um, New Mexico is slightly unique because um, it is just a, a random draw and there is no point system. But in the world we're living in, equal odds are the best odds, no matter how low they are. Like if you're not behind the curve and you got the same crack at it as everybody, that those are those are great applications nowadays. Those are yeah, the, yeah. The, those are definitely places worth taking a second look at. Yeah, yeah, and let's let's jump into that, Jordan, and um, and kind of take. You know, I don't want people to view the draws in a real negative light. Like a lot of conversations I have with people, it's a lot, it's a few of the things that we're talking about. People are, you know, they, they actually get, they figure out the statistics, they figure out like, oh, like it's very likely I'm going to actually die with these points or I'm never going to, you know, my odds are actually that low. And so there tends to be like a fair amount of negativity around that. But I think there's a, a positive side of it. And that's that, look, there's so much of this obsession on all these high you know, high draw units or units that are publicized a whole bunch, there tends to be opportunities. It could be individual units or species, states, that sort of thing. And I guess that, you know, the discussion of New Mexico may have some of those opportunities too. So just jump in, man, and tell us, you know, tell us, you know, what New Mexico offers, the deadlines that we're facing, all that stuff. Sure. Yeah, no. Um, so New Mexico is, is, kind of the outlier in my opinion uh out west and and i and i think a lot of it is because um first off there's really not the outside of a couple of asterisks to this there's really not opportunities to hunt over the counter in new mexico and so 
uh, every everything that a guy wants to do either comes through landowner permits or it comes through the draw process. And the reason that's a that that is kind of a bigger deal is that when everything, if guys are not inclined for landowner permits, then then everything goes through the draw process. Therefore, there isn't parts of the state that are being kind of like kept for over-the-counter hunting. And when you have a state that has lots of area that's kept for over-the-counter hunting, then it condenses the applicants into a lot small, you know, into a lot yeah, less sure. choices, um, which then clogs them up. And now, so New Mexico, uh, everywhere is, is a draw process. It spreads the applicants out very well. Um, so the, the, I'm going to jump a little bit here. The deadline is March 22nd this year, right? And and so what guys need to be looking at in New Mexico and why it's so, you know, such a strong place is because New Mexico lets you play the game a little bit different than than a lot of these other states in in as much as they're going to look at all three of your choices uh, before they move to the next applicant. So it's kind of a fun game because anybody if you're inclined, can swing for the fence. You can put your first choice as the absolute top tier, whatever it is that winds up with your goals for that species. What, whichever one you kind of conclude is the very best in the in the state, you could apply that as your first choice. And then on the flip side of that, it's like, but I really want to go this year. Then you can follow up with second and third choices that maybe have a lot stronger drawing odds um and and a higher pr probability uh of coming out of it and so in in new mexico the other thing that they do is again they separate the applicants is that 84 percent of the tags go to the residents in those draw processes and all of the cow elk there there's no non-resident applications for cow elk in in new mexico and then 10 percent of the tags are set aside for guys who are willing to go with a, a guide um, to some extent. And I'll kind of dive into that here in a second. And then the last is the 6% is set aside for guys who would rather go DIY and or maybe not be married necessarily to going with an outfitter. They, they could opt into that, but they can also opt out of it. Whereas if you're in that guided pool, you're, you are required to at least adhere to a couple of minimums. So what that means in New Mexico, and it's, and it's different than a lot of the other states, is the way the law is written in New Mexico is you're required to go with a guide for at least two days of your, uh, the, of your hunt. The first two days that you're in the woods, you've got to be with, with a guide. And once that has come and gone, then you're free to hunt the rest of, of the season that you've drawn on your own and, and doing what you want. So why that's a big deal is because it, I think that in the big picture, that helps a ton of guys that that maybe aren't inclined to spend the five, six, seven thousand dollars on a fully guided or fully outfitted hunt in New Mexico. Whereas now, like we have lots of guys that we work with that are conducting these two day hunts that maybe a single guy is like sixteen hundred bucks. And and you're really paying for the drawing odds is what you're paying for. And, and, and if you have two buddies or three buddies, it's like 1400 bucks. If you happen to put in with four guys and draw, then it's clear down to like 1200 bucks. So the cost savings, uh, getting into that guided pool 
And even if your agenda is just to do the two day, um, at the very minimum, it's a hell of a lot cheaper than, than the, uh, than a landowner permit, even in subpar units, right? Like sure, even sure. subpar units right now in New Mexico are running anywhere from five to 6,500 good tags are nine and 10 and great tags are 18 to 20,000. So you're talking primarily for elk for elk. Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, and so that, that, that guided pool, you know, creates a really great opportunity i would be the first one to say that the the real opportunity within the guided pool doesn't necessarily lie within like we we break it down we break the elk herd down in new mexico like in three three ways we we call it the core the fringe units and the northern triangle and so what that means is the core is going to be kind of your outdoor life units if you will like the 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 16A, 16D, 34, like these are, you know, outstanding elk hunts. And the reason they're outstanding is because there's a good population of animals and there's a good age class potential in there. So who, who wouldn't want to go there, right? Like those are just no brainers. Meanwhile, if we're applying, whether it's the DIY, like the, the normal non-resident pool or the guided pool, you know, when we start looking deeper at it, it's it it is almost always if not always there is a little better chance in the guided pool but we're cutting hairs in my opinion because those elite units we're talking like a one to two percent increase in your odds and and very rarely are we going to see something that's say north of even five percent right so it's like you know it's not a big deal but where it is a big deal is for guys who really want to go and, and we start looking at the fringe units and we start looking at the Northern Triangle. And so the Northern Triangle in, is to, to explain to the listeners, like if we were going to look at a map of New Mexico and we flip a triangle upside down and the Santa Fe would be kind of the bottom point. And then we've got a, a leg heading up towards um, like Farmington and Chama. And then we got yeah. another leg kind of heading up towards Raton. So that area of new mexico has the highest elk population in the state the the state leverages that just like other states to create more opportunities because there is a lot of animals so they draw a lot more tags the because they draw a lot more tags it's not very often that you're going to run into great big giant bulls up in that part of the state a couple of year come out of there but overall it's just a great opportunity to go hunting and you're going to have a little company in the woods but it's way better than an over-the-counter area and if you see a 270 280 six by six opening morning like that's probably a bull in the northern triangle you should get real serious about like that's kind of what you're opting in but because they're issuing a lot of tags the odds of drawing especially in the guided pool start to get you know that you, you might jump your odds in some of these units as good as from like a 5% chance to a 25% chance or even a 33% chance, all of a sudden that starts to make a lot more sense, right? Yeah, like yeah, that sure. becomes um, a, a one in three roll of the dice, a one in four versus a one in 20, very much uh, a stronger roll of the dice. And then on the flip side of it is the fringe units. And the fringe units, as a general rule, I always say like those are the worst places in New Mexico to hunt elk because there isn't any elk there. Yeah, you're sure usually not. dealing with like desert type units that for whatever reason, there is some elk in there. But because there isn't very many elk, 
They don't issue very many tags. There isn't a lot of people wanting to go and hunt places like that. And, and overall, there tends to be some age class potential in there. You, you can kill some really big bulls in the fringe units of New Mexico, um, and yet they're not very fun elk hunts. Like it would be normal to go into a fringe unit and have a, a full day, maybe even two days that you never even see an elk uh, period, right. but you could kill a really big bull. So if a guy's got a stack of elk antlers in his garage, so big, he can't run and jump over it. Then all of a sudden the fringe units might be really appealing. And again, similar to the, the Northern triangle on your own in the, in the non-resident pool, you might have a five to 10% chance of drawing. Whereas in the guided pool, in the fringe units, you might get clear up into again, that 25 to 33% chance of drawing and be it by yourself or with some buddies, call it, you know, 1500 to $2,000, somewhere in there or less, you, you've really put yourself in a good place to, to have an actual viable chance at drawing those tags. Sure. Hey, Jordan, can I ask you a, a question on that? And it's just going to yeah. come from me being a little naive. So if you put yep. in for this, um, this guided pool in, in those two categories of elk units that you just mentioned. So mm -hmm. in, in a sense, you're, in a sense, you're, um, you're going to pay a, a guide who operates in those areas. And a big part of that really from the hunter standpoint is just a bump up in odds. But just, just for clarity, because um, it sounds like there's there's people providing these opportunities. It, can you book a hunt where it's just a, a couple days? And like you said, it's it's in this this dollar value that you mentioned. Um, is it, it is there? What does that really look like on the on the guided part? Is it do they just will they spend a couple days with you and just kind of show you the rundown? Is it is it that they'll barely interact with you? Can you just give me a little color around that? So yep, I understand? no, and and it's a it's a great question. It's definitely something we cover. I think very bluntly with guys when we sure, when sure. they're kind of going down this path is that unfortunately it's really not like we really are paying for better drawing odds and and the okay. the caliber of guide that's going to show up and be with you for those two days for all intents purposes it, it like you could end up with maybe somebody who used to guide a long time and now they got a family or a job or whatever, and they just yes. miss it. And they'll, and they, and they'd be like real high value for what you're getting, but way more often. And what I would tell guys to expect is probably an 18 year old kid who's never been in the unit before. Like he okay. is just there to make sure you are legal. If you were to get checked by a, a game and fish officer and you know, the, one of my favorite parts about the program is e the, even the outfitters that we work with, um, kind of maybe even behind the scenes, they hang a pretty good carrot in front of those young kids to that actually they're what they make during those two days goes up if they happen to be successful while they're in camp with, with these hunters. So there's, there's a, like a lot of those kids are trying, like they're good yeah, kids, yeah, so probably going to graduate into you know, f you know, more prolific guides that are, that are actually conducting full hunts and things like that. But, but anybody who's kind of quote unquote proven themselves, you know, you, we, as it, from a guide yourself, like you would like, it, it would be, yeah, yeah, you're, you, would, you would always want to be on a full guided deal, right? Like yeah, you, yeah, that's sure. where you make your money and all that. And so that's what we're, we want to be always real clear with is like, 
the caliber of, of guy that's going to show up oftentimes it, it's not necessarily a quote unquote guide in as much as like an experienced hunter that's going to kind of really get the ball rolling for you. It's really just going to be a kid more than likely that, that is trying to get into guiding and trying to kind of pay his dues, but he is legal. He, all the paperwork's in place and, and we got ourselves much stronger drawing odds because yeah, yeah, I got you. So, I mean, basically yep. the expectation is, is not a whole lot. And then if you get a little help, that's great. But in the end, it's the, the draw. Just, just for yep. my own, just being yeah, naive no, about sure. it. That's, it's that's a, a lot super of important clarity. Of, yeah. Because we don't want guys ever showing up with kind of a false expectation that they were, we're going on a guided hunt in New Mexico. Like, yeah, no, sure. you're not. Like, like you're going you're going with a guide for two days um and 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 obviously and that's one of the cool things about the draw that i would point out too that's that's slightly unique with us compared to really anywhere else is that so so let's like hypothetical here you you want to get involved in something like that and you you call an outfitter in new mexico a lot of the outfitters in New Mexico. So in order to be in the guided pool, you have to apply with a outfitter code while you right. submit the application. And, and so you're going to call an outfitter up and say, Hey, don't tell me about you. And da, da, da. And you finally, you decide, yep, this is my guy. There, there's a couple of fallacies in my opinion that happen in this moment. Oftentimes with guys is first off is this, the, the, if you're planning on applying for multiple species, the probability that the guy that is the the it guy in whatever elk unit or destination you've you've decided upon is also the same guy that you want to be on an odd ad hunt with, or you want to be on an antelope hunt with, or right. or X Y Z, like that just doesn't make a lot of sense, right? Like it wouldn't yeah. it wouldn't. You now they could. And there are, I would even argue, some guys that it's like, damn, I don't know, man. Just whatever, wherever those guys are at, they tear it up. But overall, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So the second thing is now, uh, oftentimes, if you're going to get that outfitter's number, what they do to kind of lock in a transaction and and to 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 make it all on the up and up and everything's right is they'll they'll ask you for a deposit. Could be five hundred bucks. Could be a thousand bucks whatever it is with that particular guy. And that money is in fact going to go towards whatever hunt that you end up drawing and going with this gentleman. But as you can imagine with no point system and no consistency, we see lots of guys end up on blisters in that situation that it's like, man, it's been three years. I still haven't drawn anything. This guy's got a thousand dollars of mine. And I don't know if I, you know, Maybe I've seen something out like it just you can without I mean, I think everybody's smart enough to see how that could turn sour pretty quick. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, it might not so, it might not turn. It might not be a deposit anymore. Yeah. And now if you <laughs> decide. Yeah, exactly. And now if you've decided that the guy you want to go sheep hunting with is different than the guy you want to go elk hunting with, then now maybe you even have two of those out there. Right. Because yeah, yeah, you're putting sure. in for. So it, it can quickly snowball into like a really kind of rough situation to, to find yourself in. And so what we did at the draw and, and how we've kind of gone about this is, is we don't charge to be in the guided pool. If somebody wants to be in the guided pool, we charge them the same dollar amount that we charge everybody just to simply submit the application. What, what we're doing 
with them is signing an agreement with an outfitter here in New Mexico that makes everything legal. We do it all before the applications have been submitted. And that outfitter happens to be the only outfitter in New Mexico that's licensed in every single forest, every BLM district, has his state land permits, he's got everything. So so that allows us to apply really without any um, outside variables. We're not married to any one part of the state or two parts of the state. We can apply first, second, third choice, each species with, with truly with the customer's goals in mind and no no other parameters around it now when they draw that permit we have an agreement with that that same outfitter and working closely with the state of new mexico that we have what's called a transfer document and that transfer document allows us to move that customer from the the outfitter that we were applied with to whoever we believe to be the very best for him or her on on the hunt that they've drawn and we don't they're not married to working even with somebody that that works with us like it's their tag so if they happen to have a friend they end up with some sort of friendship or they meet somebody or their buddies like oh you got to talk to my the guy i went with and it doesn't happen to be something that we actually set up here with the draw that's great we have plenty of those every year to where as long as they're a licensed outfitter in new mexico we conduct that transfer document move move the the hunter to whoever it is that we think or they believe is going to do the best job with them and we're and and we get that transfer document done everything's legal everything's on the up and up and so it's it's a really we it's one of my most proud little programs that we've designed because it's such a nerve-wracking thing to be in that guided pool especially for multiple species, knowing in the back of your mind that if you draw the sheep tag or you draw an oryx tag or something like that, you really, that might not have been your top pick, but you didn't want to have multiple deposits out in all these different places. We can streamline it and at $45 an application and, and, uh, you know, it becomes a whole lot more palatable to be in that guided pool. And then once the tag is in hand, we level set and we start making. The only thing we have to do is at least go with somebody for two days. And we can do anything from that to, like, say, big, you know, a fully outfitted deal. But we don't ever have to make any of those decisions until the tag is in hand, which is kind of a 180 from what the normal process of a guy just calls an outfitter in New Mexico is. Yeah, I know. I got you. Yeah, I can see a lot of value there. Good deal. So, yeah, yeah, that's uh, this time of year. As soon as we wrap Arizona tomorrow, that uh, that will definitely be like 90 percent of our phone calls will be will be helping guys kind of navigate what's best in New Mexico. And I, I don't think that was something we really thought through when we just when we started this thing. But I guess being right here in New Mexico, I mean, even just in this office, we probably did well over a hundred days in the, you know, of guiding our ourselves last year. Oh, it's not odd. Obviously it's actually not something we do a ton of, but between all of us, we still end up out and about and, and uh, hell, even like Jared, our, our consultant, he, he ended up on a few two day hunts last year. And like, I promise you if that happens to happen, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get, you're in get, very you're in very good hands for a couple of days. Got some extra yeah. luck. No, that's yeah, yeah, that's cool. But that also lets that. I mean, I imagine you know you guys actually spending time in the field also kind of keeps 
let you keep tabs on what these hunts and these tags, you know, what they really, what they really look like. You know, my experience, yeah. Jordan, people who, and not to, you know, I'm not talking about anybody specifically, but just the concept of, you know, people helping others with tags and where to put in. If they don't spend a lot of time in the field, it's it's really hard to to keep tabs on what these hunts actually look like because they change over time, you know. They change all the time, and I think that I think my experience consulting and Caleb and and Frank uh, being with me at Cabela's for a long time uh, in the tags program, like I've always looked back, like I don't even know what to say about that other than it's insanely humbling, and more than anything, it's because. I think there was such a necessity to have just a massive network of guys all over, you know, the country. And even when you bring Frank into it, the world, um, that, that to your point, like we, we, we hunt a lot. I'd spent time in Alaska this year. We sent Jared on kind of an exploratory trip to South Dakota. Casey was in Kansas this year. Like we're, we try and put ourselves out there often trying to get that better, firsthand boots on the ground but you can't be everywhere every year and our relationships uh, and the networks we've have all across the country and, and uh, the it, it has kind of created a perfect storm and to, exactly to your point is that it and and it's inevitable like the hot ticket if you will changes all the time oh, it yeah. always and and sometimes it changes over a 10-year period and sometimes it changes at the blink of an eye and that you, uh, I'm very fortunate to have all the contacts that we have because um, it's amazing how often guys will just get in a rut uh, and just mindlessly apply for this. And it's always been, you know, I've wanted to do, do this one for so long. And yet over time, that one has really subsided and isn't nearly what they want it to be um, when they actually arrive. And, and yet, maybe something that was an underlier, a, a subpar destination previously when they got started has really kind of come up and become the, the new hot ticket. And, and they end up using a bunch of points in, in a place that wasn't what they, what wasn't what they intended from the first time they started applying. Oh yeah. You know, I think it's a good point, man. I mean, I, I noticed it on specific species, you know, Jordan, I mean, I can only reflect on Colorado, but there are, there are sheep units in Colorado that I saw like, you know, 180 in terms of quality in two seasons, you know, and, and, yeah. it, but it takes, it takes seven or eight seasons for that to really come through in the branding, marketing data or whatever. It seems like there's always this big, this big lag, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. yeah. And no, even I'm... when it comes to like the deer in Colorado, I mean, I, I would imagine a guy like yourself, like how many times did you end up talking to guys on the phone that, you know, were five and six years away from that fourth season hunt? Maybe they'd even already been applying for 10 or 15 years and they just were tunnel vision on that fourth season. And it was like, well, why, why don't we, you know, it takes 15 points to draw this whatever tag on fourth season, but it takes two to draw the third season, like the probability of killing a big deer uh, any time in a five day period is pretty low. So if we can replicate that a few times over a 10 year period, then all of a sudden that's where the, the real 
probability of a giant is not just because we waited 15 years and all of our dreams are going to come true it's like i would rather hunt you know three four times in that same amount of time and 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 my odds of a, a giant uh coming to fruition it's it's almost like kansas i've got places in kansas we shoot some absolute giant deer i mean some of the biggest in the country and yet even those places i tell guys listen the only thing i can tell you is that if you sit in those stands for 15 days you will you will have a chance at a boone and crockett whitetail like this guy has a track record for that and yet a seven-year-old whitetail isn't just going to come out on cue because you booked a five-day hunt. But if you, over a three-year period, if you get with it and stick with it, you're going to be in the right place at the right time one of those days when that when that giant whitetail steps out. And, and I think the same goes for mule deer. And I think the same goes for elk and a lot of things. Like if we just can put the time in, like w- w- inevitably something's going to make a mistake. And yet if we're we're playing the game in a way that we're just waiting for these finish lines. And it's like, Hey, this took so long. There was so much time, so much money invested, but now it's this five day or 10 day period. And like all my dreams have to come true because if they don't, I can't even stomach what I just did to get here. It's a unfortunate story that gets told more and more all the time because guys maybe don't take a second look at, how the processes are and what opportunities uh exist for them yeah and and me and jordan are going to get back to the new mexico draw but i actually think this point is so important jordan i want to kind of hash it over and make it real clear for people what you just said because i saw this a ton man and in the in colorado deer is the the perfect example i'm sure it goes for you know lots of other places that you see this but i mean people don't realize that if all you're doing is accumulating points in these species, let's take Colorado deer as the example, you have to consider what you're giving up every year, right? And you're giving up the opportunity to be out there hunting. And I saw so many people make that, that exact mistake that you just described. They just oh, waited, it, you know, you're in and you're out. Yeah. You're they in waited 10, out. 20, 30 years. And by the time, I mean, there's so many different facets of that that are problematic, right? I mean, by the time they drew the tag, you know, maybe they maybe they know what a mule deer looks like, but they haven't been hunting them. So just right there, it's hard to get, you know, what you could get out of the tag just because you haven't been hunting. That's just, you know, just a realistic, you know, approach to it. Um, and then is what you alluded to is if you're if you put all your effort into, you know, one hunt and all your your brain power there's so many things that can go wrong on that hunt conditions or you're sick or your daughter decides to get married or whatever. And, uh, and I saw that so many times, man. So I think, I think that's a great point. I don't mean to get off on a, on a crazy uh, rabbit hole here, but if, if any, if listeners take one thing away from this podcast, Jordan, you made a really good point point right there that can, can help people out in a huge way. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and I, I call those, I mean, that's a, like you say, that one, it to me is, is a wrinkle that definitely doesn't, um, like it doesn't take much to see it once you just, it's so logical once you actually get the data in front of you and look and, and, but that's, it, it also kind of in a nutshell is like what we find and how we show, I mean, the, like, 
even before we get back to New Mexico, just like this one point is I like if you go to go hunt and you filter like I want to I forget what I did, but it was something like 60 percent public land, non-resident rifle tags. Um, so there was plenty of areas for DIY is was really what I was looking at. Sure. There was over 100 rifle deer hunts that you could pick from that take one point or less to draw one point over a hundred of them. And that's, those are like now like November season rifle rifle deer hunts, one, one point. And I mean, I'm of the opinion you throw a dart at Colorado and you're going to hit a County multiple one eighties came out of like, so pick one, pick one and get good at hunting it. And you're, and, and, and and it probably ain't going to last forever, Jordan. So get after it, boys. That's what, yeah, go, go. Yeah, (laughs) that's it. Of course, just like we said earlier, like everything shifts and changes and there's always different things coming down the pipeline. But yeah, like, man, if I see a guy with over six points in Colorado for deer, I'm like, oh God, like we got to go. Like we got to go now. Like what are we waiting on? Let's go. Let's get in. Let's get out there and hunt. No, no, I totally totally agree uh, totally agree man i think it's a great great point yeah so you know that might even segue us back into into new mexico like let's just at least touch on the rest of the species in new mexico and i think we can kind of um round it out and 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 at least uh if somebody wasn't listening specifically for elk like we'll have at least touched on it and and hopefully helped um in in some way um big change in new mexico this year um, and this is across all species. Uh, another one we should bring up is no scopes allowed um, any longer in New Mexico. It's peep sites and, and open sites. So that's going to change a lot of, uh, of drawing odds in a lot of places uh, for all species. I think you're, per, you're talking per, on, on muzzleloaders, correct? On muzzleloaders. Yep. Yep. yep just muzzleloaders. It's not quite as rigid as, as uh, Colorado with, you know, you can still use pellets, you can still use sabots, but you can't use a scope any longer in new mexico and if guys are inclined to hunt that way you know there is definitely i i think what what i'm expecting to see is a really good draw odds in those hunts those muzzleloader hunts this year i'm anticipating that as the years progress even in year two you're going to see a lot of guys that had been applying muzzleloader for a long time get back to it because they're going to get frustrated about not drawing and it's going to kind of level out what those odds are. But I think you're going to see a lot of guys who maybe had been applying for muzzleloader default back to rifle this year, be it that they don't have a gun ready or they're just not, you know, that it, it's not as appealing to them um, now that there isn't scopes on the muzzleloader. So um, that's, definitely something people need to keep in mind if you have been applying for new mexico muzzleloader at least don't get caught off guard um that uh, that that law has changed yeah. um and, and just so so um the listeners know jordan uh, new mexico at least in my mind was always kind of considered a, a little bit a little bit liberal in terms of what they allowed on a muzzleloader right so they're kind of this is more of a move towards uh to extent conforming with some of the other states is that is that a right way to look at it i think so i think new mexico is kind of you know one of the first that was just like man if you push the bullet down the barrel we kind of don't care past that sure and 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 that being said um the technology advancements have been rapid in muzzleloading the last 15 years like maybe more than anything else Um, right and and the the state's you know, 
let's say their statement about this when they presented it to the public for comment was that we set the number of tags based on a success rate that we were seeing a long time ago within muzzleloaders and now muzzleloaders are every bit as efficient as the rifle the success rates on these muzzleloader hunts are the same as they are on the rifle hunts and if we're going to maintain our herds we either need to cut the number of tags dramatically on those muzzleloader hunts to kind of fall within um, the management agendas or we take scopes off of them anticipate a drop in success rate and keep the number of hunters on the mountain that we've had in the past. And sure. I would be surprised to be honest. I was very surprised at how um, the, 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 whether it be the New Mexico council of guides and outfitters, or even just the general public, there was almost no pushback. Like everybody uh, felt like it was, it passed with flying colors. We wanted to, we, we, we wanted to go back to a lower success rate, but kind of keep the opportunity high. And I think there's some real good stuff coming. You know, I think you're going to see that manifest in some age class in a few places in New Mexico um, that historically had really big bulls and, and in years past have, have kind of dwindled a little bit. And I think there's hope to see some, sure. some age class rebound in some of those areas and, and some more consistent big bulls coming out of places that, historically they they were coming out of yeah no i got you yep yep yeah george so the the so that kind of covers elk uh my problem is i uh, i keep throwing you off man so that kind of covers <laughs> elk but let's uh let's go over the other species real quick in new mexico yep um so let's jump to deer um deer as a general rule um, if you've never hunted mule deer, if we're looking to check the box on a mule deer and the idea of shooting, you know, uh, let's say a two to four year old deer, um, is, is appealing. Um, I think New Mexico has, has what you're looking for. I think it's, it's, it can be good for guys kind of in that demographic, if you will. If you're a guy that really doesn't want to come out of state for a, a, a buck, say, short of 170 or 180, then we're very limited on where we can apply that consistently is going to give guys opportunities at that kind of buck. And even then, I think even just like a lot of the quote-unquote best units in, in a lot of the country, you know, even on those upper echelon hunts in New Mexico, um, you're going to see a lot of guys shooting 150 and 160 class deer. But, the, but every year like a unit like 2C is going to produce some some real big deer. Even a couple, it's not uncommon to see a 200-plus inch deer come off of 2C. Um, but if you drive past six camps three days into that hunt, you're going to see a couple 150s hanging in the trees as well, right? Like right. that's just the nature of that hunt. Fairly low deer density, chance at a giant uh, a, a buck, but... Um, uh, not a not a real fun hunt in my opinion for deer and then the the other kind of standout would probably be the 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 late rifle for kids on the youth hunt in 2b outside of that and obviously i'm probably going to make some people mad by saying this but my personal opinion is if you're looking for a deer hunt or a good deer hunt like go to colorado go to wyoming go like it's just not a, a great fit there's some private ranch hunts in new mexico that are outstanding um, there is, um, a, a, a good, good opportunities for guys that just want to check the box on a mule deer, but maybe don't have a real 
age class or, or um, uh, it, goal in mind. Um, but it's uh, the deer herd is in dire uh, straits here in, in New Mexico. Um, and so not my favorite pick. Uh, uh, if guys are looking to get out west and go deer hunting, let's let's look elsewhere. If you're going to be buying the hunting license in New Mexico because you're going to apply for anything else, uh, including elk, you know, for a couple extra bucks, maybe it's not a bad idea to roll the dice on on like a 2C or if your kid's applying the, that 2B rifle. But overall, just kind of know what you're applying for is, you know, if, if, if it's a high goal for a big mule deer, New Mexico can be uh, difficult. There's, there's always big deer that come out of New Mexico, but they don't come out of the same place two years in a row very often. Um, moving to antelope, um, New Mexico is, uh, in my opinion, like the ace in the hole in the whole country. If guys are looking for big antelope, I think you can kill an 80 plus inch goat in every unit in the state at any given day. There's some that are real standouts that, that even have higher potential than that mid eighties, high eighties. Um, there a couple bucks a year like that coming out of there. So if, if, you know, you've been to Wyoming a half a dozen times um, and killed nice goats and you're looking for a chance at a giant or you've been kind of applying for a long time in, in Arizona and it hasn't worked out um, and there is a goal for, you know, an above average or, or, or book antelope, New Mexico is a glaring choice in my opinion. And, and especially it, for the archers, like the, the archery uh, tags that are available often, especially in the guided pool, go undersubscribed in a lot of places and or could have as high as like 30 and 50% chances of drawing. So um, if you're looking for big goats, rifle or archery or muzzleloader, like New Mexico should probably be on your short list. Um, and, and Jordan, on the antelope there, uh, even on the good antelope units, which... Uh, it sounds like there's a lot of them are are good, like trophy antelope units. There is a pretty good differential between that open pool and the guided pool. There's there's always a probability difference. that's quite a bit. Um, I wouldn't say that as much, um, except on the archery. The archery, oh, okay. you see a, a, a real large gap. The, there isn't a ton of antelope tags um, up for grabs, especially once we get out of the northeast corner of new mexico so um and then the northeast corner can be a little bit daunting to guys because of how much private property is, sure. is up there in some of those units and so it's those are definitely um you know units that you're hunting like with your map service on your phone just like in you. hand the, the whole time um but the so the rifle tags can be a little bit difficult more difficult to draw and i wouldn't say that there's a huge gap in the the do-it-yourself guided pool or, and the guided pool, except in units that have a ton of private land. And then okay. as a because we can buy over-the-counter private land antelope tags, you a lot of times the outfitters aren't relying on the draw process to create the opportunity because it's just easy. They buy an over-the-counter sure. antelope for private land and they take them on the ranch that they, that they have leased. And so it uh, when we look at the draw odds and we break it all down there's going to be some that stand out that you're like holy cow that no one's even applying for that look closely definitely do some more research yeah, because yeah. oftentimes the reason even the guided pool is great odds is because 
there's so much private land um, that exists that it, it would be very difficult to hunt without a relationship, without a plan in place and access and all of that type of stuff. Um, but it's, but like I said, um, if uh, I'm a, I'm a huge fan, I think uh, New Mexico antelope, if it happens to be a higher priority species um, is, is something that guys should be looking at because there isn't a unit in the state. I don't think that isn't capable of producing an 80 plus inch goat. Um, and they, and do, and does often. Um, and even some, some much bigger than that. Um, so then, so we've covered deer, elk and antelope. Let's cover, um, Ibex. This is a big one right now. The Ibex herd in New Mexico is just decimated. Unfortunately, we, uh, the, the, it would take another, 45 minutes to break down all the reasons why that herd is in 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 bad shape but the long story short of it right now is i'm gonna say something that i that i uh, i'm quite sure about but maybe somebody will fact check me on this the state's opinion right now is, is that there's about 300 give or take uh ibex left on the floridas uh even 10 years ago there was over 2,000 of them on there that you you've got guys that are really talented uh going in and struggling immensely um to be successful period uh without scopes on muzzleloaders this coming year a lot of guys will have been applying for rifle slash you know first choice muzzleloader second choice you know be careful on that one there's not very many goats um the age class is is gone like there's a lot of guys shooting you know, mid thirties type of goats. When, when I moved to New Mexico, there was still a guy or two a year killing a 50 inch Ibex. Um, so overall, if it's a high priority species and you're up for a big challenge, like, so be it. But the archers, the muzzleloaders, like that mountain has changed in, right. in a bad right. way, um, for a while now. And, and even for what it's worth, like, uh, outside of a few guys that we kind of have the same conversation with and, and, uh, they decide to go for it anyways. So be it. That's, that's their decision. But for, if, if you're not up for a very, it's, it's always been an incredibly physical hunt. The, the, but the, the number of animals in the age class is as worse as it's ever been in New Mexico right now. Um, probably since the induction of, of Ibex. Um, so, tread lightly on that one if uh um if you do decide to roll roll the dice um maybe even just consider putting in for the rifle hunt um only um because i, I think those muzzle hunts are going to be be real rough um that being said as, as dire as that is the oryx uh and the audad um probably kind of group them together are as doing as as good as maybe they ever have in new mexico the the oryx herd um, is is doing extremely well um, they have increased the number of tags they're issuing this year so we're kind of all kind of holding our breath hoping that that increase doesn't kind of start a downward spiral which has happened in the past with the with the oryx herd but right now there isn't a bad tag in the state the the off-range uh hunts are much stronger chance of drawing they you can hunt for an entire month the odds of drawing uh, a normal non-resident tag versus the guided pool is another example, uh, especially in the youth category, um, that uh, 
the odds can be extremely good. Um, so if there was the, the hunt on off range is very different than on range, where if a guy came for five days for an off range hunt, you know, we usually tell them you're, you know, expect to see 10 to 30 animals in a five day period and, and have an opportunity. The quality um, is every bit as good off range as it is on range, as far as what to expect um, when when you come and hunt. The the once in a lifetime hunts are are as good or better than they've ever been. Still very high high eighties, low ninety percent success rate. Um, you're going to see hundreds of animals in a weekend if you if you happen to hunt that long. Um, and the McGregor range is is outstanding as well right now. So really, whatever if you if you've already drawn your once in a lifetime tag. Um, then you are allowed to apply for the McGregor range. You're allowed to apply for the off range hunts. And it's another chance to come back and hunt New Mexico Oryx again, or if it's kind of a higher priority species and you really want to come and do it, um, especially in the guided pool for the off range hunts have way better odds. And, uh, and, and kind of even going back to that two day deal being that the hunt if you draw is good for the calendar month that you've drawn in, like you can knock out the first two days and now you have the whole month you can to, to figure it out and, and, and go. And it's, uh, it's quickly becoming my personal favorite. Maybe you get this, uh, after a, a long career of guiding, it's the only hunt that I get to personally guide every year that I still sleep in my own bed at night. <laughs> to, yeah, yeah some, sure. something to be said about that, but it's fun. We, we have a good time. Um, we, I think well, last year we drew 22 tags and, and killed Oryx on all of them, but one, um, the only one that didn't was me. Cause I never could make time to go out, yeah. and, <laughs> and go, go for it. Um, I think we had 18 this year. We've hunted 16 of those and all 16 have killed Oryx so far this year. So it's, um, it's been, it's that, that's a kind of a wrinkle, if you will, right now for guys looking for that species. Um, the odd ad, odd ad some pretty big changes with that. They added a few more hunts. They added hundreds of more tags for Audad in New Mexico. Um, I guess it, we should have seen this coming. The Audad hunting is as good as it's ever been in New Mexico. Um, it's, uh, it's still a grind. It's still public land, sheep hunting. You're going to get out and, and if you're, you know, you're going to need to put some miles on your boots and yet you, you should see animals you should see i mean there's a lot of 10 year old plus rams getting killed on public land in new mexico right now which is uh awfully exciting considering sure. there's almost none of that um so there's nothing more available than new mexico audad to to target species you know anything that's that kind of age class and actually have a viable chance of accomplishing it so if guys are looking for for uh a fun off season hunt. The October seasons are definitely kind of the higher priority. Um, uh, they get more applicants. They're harder to draw because the rut is, is right then. And it's pretty amazing out there um, to hunt them in October during the rut. But even, but really any of those hunts, there's just a lot of Audad in New Mexico or what we call them Barbary sheep here. Um, and if guys have always wanted to check the box, $360 tag like it's 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 something everybody should look at and then the other thing is we have the over-the-counter and all of unit 34 starting on April 1st this year is going to be included in that over-the-counter and what makes that kind of cool is even 
whether you just chose to, to buy an over-the-counter tag and go hunt Unit 34 or some of the other places in New Mexico that have some Audad um, in and around there, the if you were to draw one of the tags in new mexico then that tag will allow you to hunt during in those draw areas during your season dates but you can also hunt the the -the over-the-counter area with that tag all the way through march 31st so if you happen to draw come down it doesn't work out at least you're not just you, you, there is another option and it's tough 34 you know gets hammered and it's there but there's quite a few sheep in 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 different places especially the rim that a guy can get in there and and it's big boy stuff it's very physical type environment but but there are sheep in there and and it's just one more way to maybe punch that tag if for some reason it doesn't work out uh, during the the hunt that you've drawn so um, both Oryx and Audad right now, we're, we're pumping those as hard as we can because the hunting is so good for both of them right now. That's if you've ever wanted to come, like now is the time to try um, for sure. Yeah, and, um, I would, and my thought on that for, for the listeners, Jordan, is like, don't, uh, don't um, like, uh, you know, like crap on those species. I've hunted both and I've hunted a ton of mule deer and elk in my life. And right now I would... They, they're just as much fun. I hate, I hate uh, to say it, man. I like, know. I, I, don't it, I mean, it. I, it, I'm, I'm an open book. Like if they told me I could only hunt one species the rest of my life, I promise you it would be all bad. I love yeah, it. I mean, they're, something when you they're see fun. a big ram walking down a ridge and those shafts are swaying underneath him and, and oh my, oh, it wrecks you. It is, uh, it is. It's unfortunate that they're maybe not the finest table fare. The the sure. Audad, the, the the Oryx is the Oryx is fantastic, um, but again, I think it's just again it's it's just, I think part of my love for them is first off the style of hunting is awesome. Like you know you hike till your ankles break, you glass till your eyes bleed, and then you usually have to make some shot that you're uncomfortable even trying. But but that you know when it all comes together, it's extremely rewarding. And then on the flip side of it, even as you know kind of a conservationist and 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 wanting that again a public land animal uh, that when the when we walk out there like our goal is to find a 10 year old and it's not available and we can go like that is unique like there is those opportunities are fading fast and yet there in new mexico uh, it, it it is possible i i would argue that if a guy really wants to shoot a big odd ad and it's more of like a check the box type of thing we should probably may and and he knew he was going to go guided we might want to consider texas i mean i there's lots of ranches that probably are not as physical they're you know they have great age class you know uh, cost wise is similar maybe a little more expensive than new mexico but if it's a check the box type thing i'm probably more inclined to have a guy go to new mexico but for the listeners out there that are that are um uh, if it's a check the box thing i would be more inclined to send a guy to texas is what i meant to say if if it's guys that are looking for that kind of mountain hunt experience and wanting to do it on the budget in the diy pool you know 360 bucks for the tag and i'm promise you it'll be all of a sheep hunt that you really want like and it's so rewarding like it, I'm a geek about them. Total oh yeah, geek. they're they're cool, man. They're, there's no there's no doubt about it. I think 
I think for the last two decades, they've been, you know, private land, you know, the free range private land hunts and the public land hunts. They've been, they've been kind of crapped on. I think, I think the secret's out to some extent that how much fun they are to hunt. And I mean, I saw that personally change a ton in the private market. The hunts are getting much, much more expensive. Um, at least that's what I I've seen, Jordan. Oh, it is. Yeah, I can remember when they were like twenty five hundred and thirty two fifty, and now there's guys getting eighty five hundred. Uh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. And, and, and more. And we have a few that aren't, you know, that are still a little bit more palatable. And and usually it comes with a wrinkle. It comes with some something that's maybe not quite perfect, sure. but the cost um, is is a lot more palatable. And, and, you know, we have a lot of fun and, and do really well on, on those properties. But, you know, especially New Mexico, if you're really just, like I say, if you're interested in it, if you're, and, and, and that style of hunting is, you know, appealing, comparing it to the mountain goats and the sheep and, uh, you know, the bighorns and all of that type of stuff, like it's, it's, uh, it's a fraction of the cost. It's very available and it's a blast. Uh, um, yeah. And you I, get mean, it's just, I mean, it's just yeah. as much fun, Jordan. That's what it comes down to, man. Is I mean, it, it I, is. I totally it, agree it, with you. I, I've had few guys over the years that have that have been interested in that style of hunting that have actually come and done it and haven't wanted to go back. You know, it's sure. like they just um, it it kind of calls to them, if you will. Um, and I get it because I'm a geek. I freaking yeah. love it. <laughs> man, yeah, I hear you, man. Um, so what else have we not covered? Bighorn sheep. Um, so let's, let's break down the bighorns right now. I mean, so New Mexico as a general rule, it's one of my favorite applications. It's, it's a little bit tough because it is, uh, uh, it's one of the more expensive sheep tags in the country. Um, it's at $3,160 if you're successful drawing that, that tag, but, if you can use our float service or if you put it on, on your own credit card, you know, it ends up being, especially if you're going to apply for any other species, you're going to buy that hunting license for something. And then it becomes a $13 roll of the dice. As long as you've either using our float service or, or you've got a credit card that you can kind of, um, put it on for call it 45 days. Um, whether it's the Rockies or the desert, you know, the, a chance for a Boone and Crockett ram exists almost on every single um, hunt that it, that New Mexico has. That you know, they're they're not to say that everyone is killing Boone and Crockett rams when they go out because they're not. Um, but but year in and year out, even when we think it's just like this year, like on the on the on the caballos, like you know, we, the the, the caballos has has only produced like one or two book sheep in the last few years it's gone kind of a little bit quiet and then all of a sudden this year two of them two book rams come out of there and so i'm still of the opinion just about anywhere in the state if you draw a sheep tag like you're not going on just a sheep hunt but you're coming and doing an upper level um experience for for each of them the the physicality in new mexico for most of these hunts isn't atrocious there's uh if you want to kill the biggest ram on the mountain it could turn that way but overall if you just want to be successful on a a good representation there really isn't uh, a, a unit in the state in my opinion um that's a super physical hunt the pecos for the for the 
for the Rockies, obviously, is more of a wilderness hunt. So it's going to probably involve horses and things of that nature. But even then, um, I do, you know, comparing it to some of the stuff you boys are hunting in Colorado and 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 some of the stuff in Montana and and Idaho, like it's and Wyoming, um, our sheep hunts are fairly gentle um, compared to a lot of stuff in the in the country, and we shoot big rams. So they're, the odds are the same for us as they are everywhere. It's going to be less than 1% chance. But if you're buying that hunting license, you know, for the extra couple of bucks, uh, equal odds are the best odds for sure. Good deal, um, man. Yeah, I think, uh, I guess the only other one, which is funny because I've been seeing it trending a little bit higher lately, is the javelina. If, uh, I'll, oh, yeah, it, yeah, hit on that. It, it, if, if guys want to go javelina hunting, it's kind of an off-season hunt in New Mexico. The odds uh, are very high in the do-it-yourself or the, the guided pool. They're not 100%, um, um, but they're really high odds. And if you're looking for archery or, or rifle or whatever you want to do, um, if there is an interest, uh, New Mexico's uh, got a lot of javelina kind of all over the place. So that's... Uh, it's a fun off season hunt if you've never done one for sure. Good deal. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, it's funny. I've actually, I've actually had, had New Mexico javelina tags, but I never got down there to. Yeah, to well, do it. My, my own boys got one right now that started January 1st. And I told myself, I was like, I'm going to knock this out. Like, right. Like as soon as it starts, cause he has from January 1st to the end of March. And okay. here we sit. And, uh, I'm like, Oh oh my God, I gotta, like, I I got, I need to make time, but maybe especially for adults looking for places or things to do with your kids, like having a three month season is like a very odd thing out West nowadays. And it's at least it's, it's nice. It's been super nice because I'm not married to, you know, if life starts happening fast, I'm not married to this five day period and this is it like i can kind of shift my schedule and adjust and i've got three months to at some point take him out and and get a couple of days in and and the probability of success is real high like we're we're gonna we're gonna get one and so if guys are looking for stuff like that especially with their kids um the the odds of that the kid drawing and the adult drawing are really high the, the the adult seasons are a little bit more refined but it's still it's you you've got a you've got a pretty decent window every time you draw a javelina tag that you most guys should be able to make it work some way within their schedule yeah yeah no it sounds like a, a fun hunt and you know what i want to do jordan when you're when you're less busy man and, and maybe a little bit here after application uh season is over i'd like to have you on man i want to talk to you more about the exotic thing uh, you know, more about the Ibex and your opinions on why the population went down. And the other thing that I want to, I, I was going to ask you, but I know it's just going to open up a question that's going to be like 30 minutes. I want to, I want to ask you particularly, cause I know you're from Las Cruces, you know, just hunting there, you know, and these javelina hunts and those sort of things and the border, the border deal, like just, you know, how people should view that. So let's do that in another podcast, man. I, I, it's, I think you probably have a ton of information to share and, and, I'm just personally very curious. So, so let's, uh, let's plan on doing that, man. If, uh, at, a, if, at a minimum, my, my little girl's name is animus because of a little, a place down in the boot hill in New Mexico. So if oh, it okay. tells you how much time I've spent there, sure. <laughs> yeah. I'd name my daughter after, after it down there. She, yeah. I, I, 
I love I I I think that would be great because I think that there is um some anxiety around some of those destinations, be it in Arizona or in New Mexico, that I think with just a little bit of coaching and a little reassurance, um, it won't be quite so, you know, so daunting, so um, uh, intimidating uh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and dude, I'd love to have that discussion because when I, uh, I told you before the podcast, I had an Oryx tag last year. In Las Cruces, man, I I hadn't been down there since I was a little kid, but that whole area, it's crazy beautiful, man. It's not it's not the image of you know the desert or you know barren it's landscape. Not the you know? it, it's not the Tetons, but it is it. Yeah, it's amazing. Like the the desert out here. And what what time of year were you here, Cliff? Well, so I was there in uh, late October, and it, okay. and I think you guys had had a pretty wet. You know, yeah, I was going to say, so you would have seen it when it, yeah, when it's, when you come in and like end of, by the end of July, uh, man, like the desert is alive, right? Like the, oh, yeah. the monsoon rains get started and it, it does, it changes out there. And with the, with the organs coming up out of the, out of nowhere and, and the other mountains out in the desert, like it's, it's cool. It's a very different ecosystem for sure. And, um, the time of year that you were here, especially like it's, uh, the desert is alive. It's amazing. Good deal, man. Well, we'll do it, dude. Thanks for, uh, thanks for being on Jordan. Uh, let people know where they can, where they can reach out to you and, and, uh, keep up to date with you. Yeah, definitely. So, um, uh, always, uh, a big one, big fan of our Instagram. If, uh, if you have Instagram, check us out. It's, uh, at we are the draw. Um, on Instagram, and then uh, we have our website www.thedraw.com, um, and you can check us out on Facebook at the Draw. Um, our phone number is five seven five two 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 one two three four. And uh, if you know that you're going to get started and would like to kind of take the first step, um, the, the very easiest way to do that, and probably the fastest way to get in front of us right now is to just go to the .com, the draw.com. You're going to see a big button that says apply for hunts today. You're going to click it. It's going to ask you for a bunch of your information um, and and kind of what your goals are and what you're trying to do. And, and then you'll submit. That shoots an email to us. Um, I look at every single one of those. And then based on a lot of the answers and things that we get from that lead generator um, is there's actually a lot of thought on who the consultant will be um, that, that you end up with. So it's, there's even, there's lots of decision just based on the information you're giving um, that will end up taking you to this consultant or that consultant. Um, and you'll be in the best hands uh, that you can be. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely um, the best way to go about it. And, and we look forward to hopefully helping more guys. It's uh, this thing's been a wild ride. We're going into our fifth application season and we're, just uh, I think just shy of 2,000 customers that we're helping right now and, and we drew almost 500 tags last year for guys it's uh, it's been a lot of fun we're putting a lot of guys on the mountain and and having a lot of fun every year doing it that's awesome man congrats well thanks yeah. a lot dude I appreciate your time Jordan and I'll uh, I'll get you on here again uh, maybe we'll cover some other states and we'll do that podcast I just mentioned sound like a plan absolutely definitely Good day, right, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks. We'll see you.
If you want to keep in touch with me, get on my website at pursuitwithcliff.com and sign up for the newsletter. Check out my YouTube channel. It's just under my name, Cliff Gray. And you can follow me on Instagram at cliffgry. Thanks for listening.